to Taboo Malta is a show that discusses taboo topics in the sunny island of Malta. So today we've got Dr. Kiara Frendobaldson for part two. Um, we're happy to have her. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you for coming again. <laughs> so today we're going to start out with talking about appointments at the gynae. So mm-hmm. if someone comes in and they're a bit worried or concerned and they don't want to undress, um, what would you tell them? What happens? I mean, obviously, it's a consultation and uh, there needs to be some kind of emotional intelligence involved, right? Um, um, Every patient is different. So uh, the professional will need to read the patient, how they're feeling. And and also, it is very important that the patient is comfortable in what they're doing. Okay. So when uh, I, I, I can tell you what I do. When I see someone who I perceive as being anxious and and this is quite common someone going to the gynecologist feeling anxious it's it's almost it's almost the, it's exactly the theme that someone <laughs> is going to walk through the door and they're, and they're very anxious um but if it's not assumed i will state it that everything here is done by consent okay so whatever you're going to do you're going to consent for all right whether it's implied or signed. Normally you have signed consent forms for uh, for procedures. But it's important that consent is, is it's, it's a vital part of everything, right? If mm-hmm. you're not comfortable with doing something, then it's a no, and that thing is not done. Whether it's talking about something, whether it's undressing, okay? And, um, and I state this implicitly, that if I'm going to examine you and you're not comfortable with a part of the examination, please tell me so we can stop. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you want me to stop, you say so and we stop. Um, And and I've had uh, patients who come in for the first time and maybe they they just were only comfortable with the conversation or the consultation. And then I would explain what the next part would involve, like an examination and the ultrasound scan, for example, and what the ultrasound scan is whether it's an internal ultrasound scan because that sometimes can surprise people as well. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's going inside me. Yes, especially that's what once you've calmed down after the smear test and you go, oh, I'm going for an ultrasound, and they present this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this massive probe. <laughs> and yes, it is scary when you look at it because it's like what 12, 13 inches of uh, of stick. Um, but I I hold it in my hand and I say, listen, this is that much is going to go in. Vagina is ten centimeters. Okay. Yes, it is stretchy, but it's ten centimeters. So that part is going to go in, and the rest is a handle for me to hold on the outside. So it's not that scary. But again, going back to your original question, if someone does not want to undress, nobody can force them to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to undress, if you only want to speak about something, state it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to state it. Okay. Um, I am not ready for an examination today, but I would like to discuss some things with you. And that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. I think every profession would happily accept that. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? You can just book another appointment, basically. Indeed, absolutely. If you freeze up, why not? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And can someone um, get checked for a smear test if they're under period, for example, or have a yeast infection? Like, how would it go? Okay, excellent. I'm so glad you asked this question Um, because it seems that there is some misunderstanding with smear tests. Um, Just for our listeners, smear smear test is a screening tool. It checks for early signs of cancer in the cells of the cervix of the neck of the womb, okay? 
So the procedure is by putting a speculum inside the vagina, looking, so the professional looks at the cervix and takes the most superficial layer of those cells. Okay, it's like a little exfoliation and scraping. Okay, and that then is prepared into a medium or a slide and that is looked at under the microscope by the pathologist in the lab. So, if someone is on their period and there is blood, there's going to be blood cells. And when if we do this kind of procedure, there's going to be extra cells and the pathologist under the microscope cannot read the original test. Okay, so the, the cells that we're looking for at the smear test, okay, the cervical uh, cells, are less visible because there's the blood cells. Okay, and then that makes it an invalid test. Mm. <clears throat> so it's very important that someone is completely off the period and not bleeding. Okay, with the yeast infection, thrush candida, okay, called totiwa, this kind of fungus will irritate the vaginal mucosa, okay, the skin of the vagina. Because the fungus has got like roots, okay, it will infiltrate these cells and make them appear inflamed, okay. Every woman or a vagina owner knows that if there is a yeast infection or a fungal infection, candida, it's so irritating. You feel like you need to like scratch yourself from the inside into yourself, right? So imagine what that is doing to your cells. All right, okay. So the pathologist at the lab looking under the microscope, these cells are going to look abnormal. They're going to look inflamed. Going back to the original smear test, the smear test is looking for abnormal cells because abnormal cells one day could potentially lead to cancer. And abnormal cells are inflamed cells. So is this inflammation because of a yeast infection mm. or because of the HPV, the virus, the human papilloma virus that we know is implied in a lot of, uh, of cervical cancers? And obviously then that test is going to be Mm, not invalid because obviously there is inflammation, um, but it needs to be repeated. So ideally, ideally, the smear test is done when someone is completely well, without any symptoms. Sometimes we do occasionally find the the little fungal hyphae, the the cells of the fungus, um, because you're not you don't have any symptoms. But that's but that's okay, you know. I'm not pretending that everyone who comes in needs to be completely well and and symptom free, mm -hmm. um, because people who are not well will come in. Mm -hmm. um, but that is the professional to decide. Listen, okay, I'm not able to do your semantics today. We will need to wait, and then we'll do it again, because a repeat test we need to wait three months. Because yes, absolutely the. When we remove those cells, they need to grow back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there's nothing to test for if you come back next week. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we need to. Um, it's it's a decision to be to be done. Like okay, mm -hmm. I, I cannot do it today because otherwise I'll have to wait three months. Mm -hmm. So let's let's give you treatment, and then c come back next week or two weeks time, and then we'll do it. So that also is uh, efficient in timing, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. I hope I've answered this question. Yes, yes, yeah? yes, yes. Very, very interesting and very good to know. <laughs>
there's a lot of thought process lot, that goes yes goes behind all of this. And can you tell through a smear test um, if someone has polycystic ovaries, for example, if they're not getting their period and they have the layers lining up, um, would that affect the smear test at all or no? The layers lining up? Of the uterus. So, for example, you wouldn't share the lining. Okay, and then okay. absolutely. Okay. It would be thicker. So, smear test is the test for cervical cancer. Okay. It's a test that is done in the lab. It's looking at the neck of the womb. It's not looking at the ovaries. Ah, okay. 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 So the ovaries are higher up. Okay, so we got the neck of the womb, and then we got the womb, the uterus, and then we got the ovaries. So when we do a gynecological assessment, we have all these aspects. Yeah, we got the ovaries, we got the tubes, we got the uterus, we got the neck of the uterus, we got the vagina, we got the vulva. So these are all different mm-hmm. parts of the human anatomy. With polycystic ovaries, the way to assess polycystic ovaries, to look at them, is with ultrasound. Okay, Best way to do a gynae ultrasound is a transvaginal scan, like we were talking earlier, mm-hmm. because it gets closer to where we need to look at. And then we look at the appearance of the ovaries on, on the screen. And the polycystic ovaries, there's a typical appearance. So... Um, polycystic means poly a lot, yeah, multi. Cystic cysts, and um, these are tiny fluid-filled bubbles. When we see these, there could be a hormonal imbalance because they produce hormones in an erratic way, that would lead to irregular cycles. So it is very possible that the patient would have cycles that are thirty-five days long, forty sometimes even 60, sometimes going back to 30. And that's okay. It's not bad. If there's a period, it's good. What is very important is that lining that you said. Okay, So the lining is thickened, but needs to be shed. Mm -hmm. And through research and statistics, it has been shown that the safety limit is three months. So it's important that you have a period every three months. So this needs to be shed, cleaned out if you want, okay, every three months. Anything longer than that, these cells within the lining start changing, start becoming abnormal and could lead to, in the long run, to uterine cancer. Okay, so that's why there is a Safety limit of three months. The way to regulate a cycle artificially is by taking hormones, by taking the pill. Okay, Either the combined pill where it gives a cycle and the lining is shed because it does have estrogen. So that causes thickened lining, you withdraw and then you have a fake period. Mm-hmm. Or the progesterone which keeps the lining nice and thin and most of the time... Patients who are taking these type of contraception with progesterone do not have periods. Sometimes they have irregular periods. Okay. So this taking hormones also protects that lining. I also appreciate that there could be that patient who does not want to take hormones. And that's absolutely fine as long as there is a period of three months or every three months. And and that is very important. So mm-hmm. we need to educate the public that if you don't have a period for four months, then speak to your doctor because something needs to be done. Yeah. 
And it's also not good to go on a Premier League, right? It's like every every single time, like what happened to me, <laughs> basically. Premier yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that is one way to get your period. Okay. So, if it doesn't happen after three months, but I would wait three months. If it's mm-hmm. two months, it's fine because it, mm-hmm. it might come, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Premier is the type of progesterone. It's the brand name for progesterone mm-hmm. um, where we stimulate Mm-hmm. the bleed after you withdraw you stop it yeah two or three days later you get a period but that's one way that's one way there are the supplements that can can help the ovaries kick in their own cycle um something like chromium or l-carnitine there's there's ways and means but this is this is how we assess yeah polycystic ovaries needs to be assessed by ultrasound scan mm-hmm. um uh, and not actually through a smear test Okay, yeah, there was a bit confu- of confusion around that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, and with PCOS, there's the syndrome where you can get the physical um, parts of it. So, for example, some people right. have reported to, to be hairier, Yes. Um, that it's harder to lose weight, for example. So it affects a num- number of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, what advice would you give those kind of people who are trying really hard, but due to hormonal imbalance, it just keeps on reoccurring? So PCOS is one of those things that's quite controversial and there's a lot on social media, Instagram, TikTok. And and there's various different types of PCOS. And the S part is the syndrome. Mm-hmm. okay, And it's a metabolic condition. So it's not one thing. It's not like saying Sophie has green eyes. <laughs> okay, It's a few things altogether. Mm-hmm. And it's how the body functions. And one thing that's particular with PCOS is the insulin resistance. So um, there is insulin that is being produced, but it cannot be utilized properly by the body. Okay. So in that manner, the body functions as if it is a diabetic. Okay. Because there is a carbohydrate metabolism problem because the insulin is not being used. Okay, so we see that these women who are taking a lot of carbohydrate and use, uh, eating a lot of carbohydrates, they tend to put on weight because they're not being burnt off, and then uh, they put on weight, even though carbohydrate is fat-free, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> going back to carbohydrate metabolism, if that person reduces their amount of carbohydrate intake, or uses or takes um um low GI diet okay um, I don't want to go radical as keto but keto also is helpful okay mm-hmm. there's even more radical diets than that like the carnivore diet yes what do you think of that because the lion diet right yeah, the lion diet because <laughs> some people say it really balances their hormones but so, yes but sure. everyone is different mm. okay so there is this gut microbiome that's like a fingerprint every single person is different and the way people metabolize vegetables could be different. So I I cannot say, you know, vegetables are healthy if for that one person it causes them to have allergies, for example, or or abdominal pain. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And this goes, all goes back to gut microbiome. But going back to your PCOS, your PCOS, (laughs) the PCOS, um, uh, your question. um, With PCOS, because the syndrome has different traits, Okay, so you mentioned excessive hair. So this is called hirsutism medically. Um, hair, facial hair, hair in a male pattern. We target that, 
Okay, so we use um, hair removal products, laser. So the way I try and deal with PCOS, there's a lot of counselling involved. Okay, the patient needs to know what is happening. It's their body. I cannot say, oh, you've got PCOS and this is your prescription. Because if that person does not understand how their body works, that prescription is going to be left in their bag. But knowing that there is a carbohydrate metabolism problem, that there is insulin resistant, that there is possibility of developing diabetes in the future, um, then that would help that person change their lifestyle. We know that insulin resistance is is also um, related to obesity. <clears throat> so the the more obese the person is, the higher the insulin resistance. Insulin resistance improves if that person loses weight. And this is a very, very big topic. It's a touchy topic because if you tell that person, I need to lose weight, just like that, without explaining why and how to lose weight. Because if they try, like their friends, to cut out chocolate for Lent, that's not going to help much because they need to change their whole diet. It's not a low-fat diet that they need to follow. It's a mm-hmm. low-carb diet. It's a holistic lifestyle change. It's a com- it's a complete yeah. holistic lifestyle. And the movement will help as well because that will help increase metabolism. Um, but with PCOS, I tend to target the symptoms, okay, or the signs. So if the symptom is excessive facial hair, then advice about laser or hair removal. If it is period problems, we talk about, as we said, doesn't how to regulate with hormones or, with, or without. Um, if it's obesity, it's the trick to lose weight, yeah? Um, so, so it's targeting what the problem is. If that person is trying to get pregnant and they have irregular cycles, it's trickier. It doesn't mean they cannot get pregnant. I cannot tell someone, oh, you can't get pregnant because you got PCOS, because that person won't be using contraception and then gets pregnant when they're not planning to. Or so gets STIs, <laughs> basically, yes. Because the pill does not prevent STIs. Exactly. We're going to repeat it again. <laughs> exactly. Yes. We, I think we said that last year. Yes, I'd like it. to <laughs> drive the point home, though. Yes. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, and in fact, statistics do say that taking the pill increases your risk of STIs. But it's not because they're connected, it's because of the habits of that pill user. Yeah, so it's important, new relationships, always use condoms until you do an STI screen. Um, but yes, PCOS is one of those topics, it's, um, it is holistic. It's yes. um, another one, another part of PCOS that people don't talk about is the self-image. Yes. And there's a lot of psychological aspects that go with PCOS because self-image is distorted in PCOS. So what you see in the mirror is not real. And uh, uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You see yourself bigger. You see yourself um, frumpier um, one day and then the next day you feel like, oh, I look awesome today. But that doesn't make sense because when you when you go to work, you see your colleague, you don't see them one day like, oh my goodness, you, you you don't look right today. You look ugly, you look really bloated and fat. And the next day you look so good. But in the mirror, as a PCOS patient, 
um, it's there's this distorted self-image, and we don't talk about this. Um, in in other countries, there's some CBT and, and psychology input with PCOS. What what is CBT? CBT is cognitive behavior therapy. Ah, okay. So get the psychologist involved. Um, here in our country, Malta, we uh, sunny Malta, like you said in the introduction. Um, PCOS is is very common, is very prevalent, and uh, and it seems to we say genetic, but maybe because it's so common. In other countries, like I I remember that my perception of PCOS in when I was in in the UK and here, very different. Absolutely, um, I used to see girls hiding their faces. Yes. Um, hair like this against their face so they don't show their face um, wearing big jackets so because of excessive hair um, and I've not seen that in Malta so that's that's a positive that's good yeah it's embracing that yes the PCOS patient most of the time looks different yeah roundier bit yeah um, but there's nothing wrong with that looking Joseph in the mirror there's nothing wrong with that Quite interesting, PCOS. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think we also need to deal with the body dysmorphia and the mental side of it, like you're saying, and seeing ourselves as normal. <laughs> Open quotes. Yeah. Normal. I love that <laughs> word. Normal. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot of um, people that say like, "What are normal breasts? What are normal vag- normal vaginas or vulvas?" And this was in the the show Sex Education, in fact. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I don't yes. know if you watched it. No, I haven't. Okay. No, not yet. No. Basically, it's cupcakes with different <laughs> vaginas on them because they think that a lot right. of people question whether their body looks normal because of porn most of the time. And that's yes. what leads to yes. body dysmorphia and surgeries to get themselves yes. looking perfect. Yes. And yes. Yeah. Um, uh, this is this is big. Huh? This is big. We don't tend to talk about the negative. We boast about good stuff, but n- the negative, or what we perceive as negative, um, we we shy away and we don't seek help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen young girls who have come to clinic, and young girls, I mean teenagers, and they're exploring their body, and porn is easily accessible nowadays. Um, and they don't realize that their body is actually perfect. Because of a perception, a, a belief, okay? There's nothing wrong with having larger labia. Why do you want to trim them? If there's an irritation, if there was stitching done that is causing issues, I get that, right? But to trim labia that are perfectly symmetrical, perfectly normal, yeah, there's no need because vulvas come in all different shapes and sizes, and just like men are not symmetrical, <laughs> you know, we, we we we're human. Yeah, we we're not born with plastic surgery. Even plastic surgery can be botched sometimes, but many women have different sized breasts. One side maybe looking further south than the other. But there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to be absolutely perfect because perfect doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, vulvas will still function if they have small labias, if they have bigger labias. It doesn't. It doesn't really matter, as long as there's no irritation and and you know catching on on underwear. Um, that could be an issue. That could be an issue. Um, I have rarely seen. So I've obviously I've seen a lot of vulvas, um, and there's um, there's the vulva wall. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So there's this um, art piece. I don't know who who had done it, and and it's like plaster cast. Ah yes. Of all the different vulvas and some with piercings, and and it showcases that listen. There's the variety and there's the beauty in variety, and some men would prefer bigger labia. Some men don't like bigger labia, and and porn is like that as well. So there's the variety. There is nothing wrong with what we've got. Yeah. Mhm. I think we just have to accept what we what we've got, <laughs> and, and also love, it. love. If somebody doesn't like it, that's not our problem either. <laughs> you know, like exactly. we shouldn't be modifying ourselves for someone else. You know. Because once we start chasing yeah. that, mm-hmm. then where do you stop? Exactly. Where do you stop? You know, you, if you trim your labia and then you, and then you you break up with that person, and the next person like will mention randomly something about bigger labia, and then you've trimmed yours. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think we need more education on how on porn in general. I think, especially in schools, and how to deal with body dysmorphia and all these things, like from. It's it's mostly with females. I don't know the actual statistic of it's um, the percentage in males, for example. But I think it's it's a huge issue, especially with social media at the moment. Of course, of course. which is all fake. Mm-hmm. Which is all fake. You it's know what they show us mm-hmm. is not real. In fact, there's a stereotype on social media with PMS and how. We become this angry monster. There's a lot of series, in fact, depicting <laughs> PMS or having getting your period as an actual monster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But now there are celebrities with actual saying coming out that they've got this. I forgot exactly what it's called. It's like PMS, but mm-hmm. uh, more more in the long term. It's more drawn out, and it affects the way their body dysmorphia, their relationships, and the way they com- communicate. I'm not sure if. We can talk about that a bit. Okay, um, so PMS is premenstrual syndrome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the symptoms one feels in that time between ovulation and the period. We have a cycle, and there's a surge of hormones just after ovulation. Yeah, when the when the egg comes off, and and there's that ovulation releases, luteinizing hormone, and and then progesterone. So these hormones spike mm-hmm. every month that is what a cycle is there's a there's a, a, a spike in the trough right and some women are more sensitive to that hormone and with pms symptoms do vary some people are more irritable more teary some people have rage um some people will want to eat more things that they don't normally eat um, people have brain fog and they can't focus. So, so people have headaches. There's a different symptoms that one would feel, and if there is a pattern that is noticed, so we we would advise to keep a calendar. 
to see, is it cyclical, right? Because that helps us with the diagnosis. Because mm-hmm. if it's not cyclical, if it's happening during all of the month, then it's not going to be PMS because that goes against the definition itself, right? A severe form or more uh, more severe form of PMS is the premenstrual uh, dysmorphic, uh, premenstrual de- uh, depressive disorder, PMDD, okay? Um, in that case, we would need medical treatment because the person would find it and unable to cope with life, basically with activity of daily living, with going to work, um, with being social with their family or their friends. Um, So then in that case, medication would be highly recommended. Two medical ways to treat or to help cope with uh, these premenstrual symptoms. One is either to stabilize the cycle by taking a hormone, Okay, so something like the hormonal pill, because it gives you a dose every day that is stable. It removes the spikes. Okay, so in that manner, then one does not have PMS because the the hormone level is stable during Mm -hmm. the whole month. Okay, and then you you stop the pill, you you have that uh, seven day break or four day break and then you have a period. And if someone does that back to back, then they reduce the number of periods they have in the whole year. Okay, instead of every month, maybe every two or three months. So that's one way. And that's hormonal. The other medical way is by taking an SSRI, which is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, a type of antidepressant. It does not mean that the person is, uh, is depressed, but it stabilizes the, if you want, happy hormones in the brain. Mm-hmm. So it stabilizes your reaction to these um, spike of hormones. So that's two medical ways. Okay, obviously, if there is PMDD, then uh, discussion with the psychiatrist need to be needs to be had, and uh, and further treatment, um, exploring probably more antidepressants. Not in my my realm of things. Mm-hmm. There's also uh, alternative therapies. Um, acknowledging what is happening in your body again going back cbt um knowing that oh okay i've got my period next week and that's why i'm feeling like this it's okay um certain herbs certain vitamins evening primrose um there's there's a lot of even up and coming research mm-hmm. about all of this and actually what pms is um, and why we've got PMS, and uh, and this is all being explored nowadays, and and it's fascinating. But then going back to the patient, it's helping that person feel able to cope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not a one one size fits all. Basically, depends Never. on a case by case basis on yes. what you're going through and. Like you said, there shouldn't be any taboo against um, SSRIs if they're needed because if you've got an imbalance, you need to balance it out, Correct. basically, yes. We, we cannot forget that the brain is, is an organ. Mm-hmm. Why do we isolate the brain? Why why is it different? Mm-hmm. If you if you got a problem with your teeth, you go to a dentist, right? Mm-hmm. And you fix that. If you got an uh, imbalance in the brain, you, you go and fix that. Mm-hmm. But there's a taboo. Why? <laughs> I think it's the act of taking a pill, but 
as females, we're so used to taking pills that that specific pill isn't <laughs> allowed, you know. So yeah, it's a funny thing. Mm. And when talking about periods, so mm-hmm. there are some organic tampons and pads, and then there's the mm-hmm. menstrual cups. Like, mm-hmm. are some better than the other? Because I know that you can get uh, TSS, toxic shock syndrome, mm-hmm. with tampons if they're mm-hmm. left in too long. Um, but there were whole studies that they um, they've been bleached and they're not Absolutely. that good. And yes. Yes. so, what yes. are your views on this? Yes. Well, again, this is super interesting, isn't it? Um, I like your topic, Sophie. <laughs> I do like your topics. Um, toxic shock syndrome. I've never seen one, and I've seen okay. people who have left tampons in, and. And I've seen actually someone who forgot she forgot the tampon. So when she came for her coil, I'm like, what's this? And it was her tampon from the previous month. Um, absolutely, I know. <laughs> um, so it's not like, oh, I think I, 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 oh, I, can't, I couldn't take it out. She literally forgot that she left the tampon there without even knowing, right? Um, and in that case, she didn't even have toxic shock syndrome. I think in the past, um, there was more... I don't know, maybe, maybe the manufacturing style has changed. Um, tampons are one of those things that, um, I mean, there's plastic involved as well. We need to be environmentally conscious. Um, organic is very good if someone uh, is irritated by tampons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, maybe you need to explain to your listeners as well about toxic shock syndrome. Toxic shock syndrome is an infection where... Um, the tampon is left inside the vagina for so long that there's bacteria that starts growing on the on this nice bed of blood and cotton okay um and then that uh, infection will can go even into a, a blood sepsis okay um antibiotics is mm-hmm. the treatment for this because it's bacteria um i don't think there are people who actually leave their tampons in long enough for this to happen. I think uh, that mentality of, listen, tampon, maximum eight hours or overnight, and you don't leave it for longer than that. Um, tampon manufacturing has changed. There's lots of organic now. The bleaching of cotton, obviously, that can, uh, there's chemicals in everything. There's mm-hmm. chemicals in everything. Um, organic uh, type of these uh, sanitary um, products will help those who tend to get infections or irritations. There's also probiotic-infused tampons. Yes. There is uh, one brand on the market here, and there's pro- they have probiotics. So for that person who struggles with thrush infections after the period, um, that could be a good idea. Going back to your uh, question about silicone cups, um, uh, it, it depends on the, the, the material. And if you're allergic to the material... I don't find anything wrong with the cup. Okay, it's more environmentally friendly. Um, obviously, careful when you rinse it out, and you you, you need to clean it properly in between periods. Mm-hmm. Some people boil it. Um, if you're not irritated, if it's done well, okay, from a good source, right? So the the material is reliable. Then there's nothing wrong with that. If you're not reacting to that material, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there are organic uh, pads. There's, there's pads that um, have 
a layer of plastic and more absorbent material that could be more irritating to the vulval skin. So everyone is different. It depends on what you are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm talking about periods. So there is obviously the whole conversation about menopause and HRT and when periods actually stop. And um, not a lot of people talk about that either. Um, and you can get early onset menopause, right? Mm-hmm. So it could happen at a younger age. I guess it's it more rare. It can. Mm-hmm. Yes, 1% of women go through early menopause, premature menopause. Um, and you don't know when that's going to happen. It's most of the times associated with other autoimmune disorders so it's like the body's fighting itself and and uh, and then these these women do have cessation of periods earlier um menopause is a natural process but it's a scary one the time of the perimenopause so this the time around the perimenopause around around the menopause is about 10 years so it can be up to 10 years um and naturally the levels of hormones will start decreasing still within the normal values but they will start decreasing and you, you you feel this right you start feeling it and they could be brain fog they could be irritability they could be uh, an inability to sleep at night because you get these hot flashes um, that are like seconds like um, th- this flash in Maltese vampa yeah? so it goes within seconds vroom, all over the, it starts from the your feet up to your head and you just get like in a, in a, in a sweat yeah um but then it's over in seconds but this is really bothersome it's if you're if you're at work and you get these and and you're in an office and you can't get out and so so the perimenopausal woman does get more frustrated because of these symptoms um it is yet a natural process but it's the most is the weirdest feeling because you all of a sudden, you have no hormones, mm-hmm. no estrogen. You have dryness. You don't feel the same. You have lack of libido. You're not attracted to your partner. You feel like, what is wrong? What's going on with me? And these women are young, so 50 is not an old age. Still a sexually active woman, but she's having issues. There's the urine problems as well. Um with incontinence and and urgency and we again we don't talk about the negative so if someone's at work and they need to take a lot of breaks mm-hmm. like what's what's wrong with that you know what's wrong with that employee and that could be frowned upon but yes menopause is a natural stage that we cannot escape you know we will have to go through menopause at some point um but there are things that we can do to support the female hormones. There's natural supplements. There is HRT, mm-hmm. uh, hormone replacement therapy, um, lifestyle changes, um, caffeine and uh, spicy stuff will also obviously will not help those symptoms of palpitations and hot flashes. Um, we would focus more on antioxidants. Soya, okay, so soya is a... Um, it's a bit of a controversial topic because we know it's genetically modified, but it mm. also is estrogenic, so it exactly. gives estrogen symptoms. Um, so, so, so it's both ways. I'm not saying um, either party is wrong, you know, because there's 
people who will argue both sides. Um, but we know that soyais or flavones, these also help um, those women who don't want to take HRT in the form of the synthetic hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also means that people who are um, breast cancer suffer- sufferers, um, they should avoid these hormones, these uh, soya products as well because of the estrogen, because breast mm-hmm. cancer is related to estrogen. Some people even say though that HRT might cause cancer. Is that true? I've heard this before. So um, HRT is hormones. Mm-hmm. Estrogen, some some cancers thrive on estrogen. Okay. Okay. So if you are taking estrogen and you have a cell that just wants estrogen to just bloom and grow, it's going to grow and you're going to end up having an estrogen-dependent cancer. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's why. And with menopause, it could be brought along with hysterectomies, for example, that you might have too many cysts or fibroids. Um, So can we discuss how important it is to get checked? And if you're feeling like you're six months pregnant and you've ballooned up and you don't know why and you're getting pain. Yes. So with any symptom that is not normal, please, you need to get checked. Okay. so we need to inform your listeners, your viewers, mm-hmm. that if you have a symptom that you're not comfortable, if you're worried about something, please do get checked. Okay. Um, hysterectomy is surgical removal of the uterus. Removing the uterus for fibroid reasons, heavy periods because of fibroid. Can we explain what fibroids are? Fibroids is a knot of muscle. Okay, so it's super common. About 25% of... Um, of women, uh, approximately, have a fibroid. Okay, so fibroids are these knot of muscles within the uterus, most of the time within the uterus, and that gives symptoms of heavy periods or pressure pain, depending on how big the fibroid is. The ultimate treatment for fibroids is removal of the uterus. Okay, so that's the definitive treatment. There is other treatments one can explore, but that's the definitive treatment. Once you remove the uterus surgically, you are not going to have the fibroids, you're not going to have periods. We don't always remove the ovaries. Okay, so under the age of 45, it's not advised to remove the ovaries unless, obviously, if they look normally, leave them there. Because if you remove the ovaries early, you're going to have surgical menopause. Okay, so menopause, surgical menopause, surgical menopause means menopause that is brought about by surgery is because of removal of ovaries because that is, those are what give us the cycle, the hormones. Okay, it's not by the hysterectomy. So it is not brought by the hysterectomy. Yeah? So a menopause is not the, men- the uterus, but it's the ovaries. I have confused you here. <laughs> no, it's, it's very informational, to be honest. Yeah, there is a bit of confusion. It's, it's, it's the yeah. what words we use as well. Mm-hmm. So hysterectomy is removal of the uterus. Mm-hmm. It does not do anything to your cycle. It does not do anything to your hormones. It only stops your periods. Mm-hmm. So if someone who is, let's say, 38, okay, problem with a big fibroid, heavy periods, we surgically remove her uterus, hysterectomy, the ovaries are still there. She will still feel a cycle. She will feel it. She won't have a period. So where would the eggs go? They just get lost. Esther, okay. 
Absolutely. So she could still have PMS. Mm. She's not in menopause. She has her own hormones. That's why we don't remove the ovaries before 45. Okay? Because we don't want that young woman to go into menopause at a young age and then have the repercussions of menopause, something like osteoporosis, for example, brittle bone disease. Um, But over the age of 45, so someone who's 48, 49, who's going to be going into menopause statistically, average is uh, 51, then we would also remove the ovaries. Removing the ovaries gives you surgical menopause. And um, also removes or reduces the risk of ovarian cancer. Now, let me tell you why I'm trying to choose the word. Because it is still not 0%. But obviously, having no ovaries, the risk of having ovarian cancer is going to be um, almost zero. Okay. Um, but with ovarian cancer, if there's other cells that are inside the belly, you know, cancer is can can be from any abnormal cell, unfortunately. Yeah. So if you still if you have feeling if you have any symptoms, any strange feelings um, in your belly, bloated, please do speak up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, and our last question, so a bit controversial. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the whole abortion discussion in Malta? And what's been going on and um, if I'm not mistaken, if a woman's life is at risk and she's pregnant, it was already the case, right, that they terminate the pregnancy. So now there's a whole discussion of whether they're going to introduce it or not. If it yeah. should <laughs> Yes, yes. So, I mean, we can talk about this for, for hours on end. Um, there is it, it depends on which aspect you're going to look at it from, Okay whether it's the medical aspect, whether it's the legal aspect, whether it's the ethical aspect, social aspect, okay? Because all of these so far have not come to a agreement. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it's obviously there's a political aspect as well. Um, ultimately, it's the politicians who are going to decide on this. Um, so we, what the proposal was to remove the act of crime, okay? So so in the law, it is a crime if someone does carry out an abortion on, them, on themselves or if someone helps someone else get an abortion, okay? So that is a crime. The amendment that was proposed is to remove this from being an actual crime, okay? And this would help the doctors at the hospital if someone, if someone comes in who is 20 weeks who has uh, the heartbeat is still there, but they've broken their waters. And after a discussion with the woman, we know that the, the, the prognosis is not going to be the best. If she proceeds and with the pregnancy and she wants to keep the pregnancy, knowing f- full well that the prognosis isn't going to be great for that, as far as we know, for that, um, that fetus, that baby, that's fine. But it also helps the doctors give them that okay, if you want, to make a decision that, listen, we're going to prioritize the female, the woman's health here. <clears throat> and we don't need to be listening in to the heartbeat. And if the woman decides, take care of me first over the fetus, then it doesn't become a crime. So that is what the amendment was 
being proposed. Um, what is not being proposed is until what gestation age. <clears throat> we already know that if someone comes in with an ectopic pregnancy, that is non-viable. We'd always choose the woman's life over that um, heartbeat in the tube. Um, so, so it is, and, and other people would argue that this is the first step to um, allowing abortion to to be available in the country for everyone, um, and there will be abuse. Um, I've worked in in a country where abortion was legal. It's never nice for that person to decide what they want to do. N nobody wants to kill their own baby. And if they go through an abortion, trust me, the psychological impact is not one to be taken lightly. Um, especially in Malta where uh, it feels like you cannot speak out openly about this. Okay, um, And in my experience, those women who sought an abortion were the ones who, who either had, were using contraception and it failed... Um, uh, or something was wrong with the development of the fetus. So it was, or or it, if it was unexpected in the way of rape, for example. Many people who are sexually active and not very careful with contraception will absolutely willingly welcome that pregnancy. It's mostly in those um, co co um, uh, times where it's really hard for that woman, mm -hmm. that couple, to to proceed with the with the pregnancy. Um, we cannot hide behind the fact that in Malta this, these things do happen. Um, many women do seek uh, help. They go abroad. Um, uh, they seek medical help to to then do an abortion at home. So, are we going to? put all of these women in jail are we forgetting about the woman so we need to it's, it's, a, it's a it's a very controversial topic mm -hmm. um killing of a life so the ethical aspect of uh, the religious is um you're, you're stopping a life you're killing a life but we're also forgetting the 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 parents point of view if someone is not ready to take care of a child with severe disability. Who am I to judge? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to judge them. Yeah, I I cannot know what that person is going through. Maybe it's maybe it's a blessing for them. Maybe they are enjoying enjoying. I don't know if it's a, the correct word I'm using. Actually, um, this sacrifice for them. Okay. But it's not for everyone, and uh, just like divorce is not for everyone, it doesn't mean if I um, agree to divorce, I want to get divorced. But yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tough topic. This one. Going back to, just because you don't agree with it or believe in it, doesn't mean you should not give someone the choice to do it, which I think is a huge issue in Malta that we impose our beliefs on on others. So, like you said, whether it's divorce, abortion, euthanasia. You might personally not agree with it, but at least give someone the choice to do it, you know. That's a democracy at the end of the day, no? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I also think that we need to have 
more contraceptive options and contraception being more freely available. It's free in France, say I heard recently. Many places are subsidized. From 18 to 24, though. Yeah, for us so far, I think it's the HPV and cervical cancer injections that are free from 12 to 15. Yes. Because in my time it wasn't. But that's not a contraception. That's not, not. Yeah, yeah. it's the only thing that's free in this subject. (laughs) I can think of, yeah. Yes, I think so. Uh Yes. And obviously smear Uh tests, we can have those on the the government system. Yeah, Um, just have to wait a bit. (laughs) Yeah. it's um, Sadly, it's, it's... when we talk about abortion and we, we put our views out there and um, we don't know what that person is going through. It could be that your own daughter, your niece, probably has had an abortion. So we need to be also careful what we say. And the reality is we'd rather that they have a safe abortion rather than an illegal one at home or abroad where their life might be at risk, you know. Illegal and criminal, it's, it's, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's illegal to park on the double yellow lines. It's not a crime. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a crime here. Mm -hmm. So at at least that is what the amendment is. You know, it's not, oh, let's make abortion freely available for everyone and mm-hmm. and let's set up clinics and there's, it's, 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 uh, we've got a long way to go, I think. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Do you have any final comments? Um, no, I, 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 I'm always grateful. Thank you for, <laughs> for allowing me to. Um, disseminate a bit of education as well um, this last topic might have been a bit controversial mm-hmm. um, maybe we'll get uh, different views and and I, I always welcome different views mm-hmm. because it helps me see another side of things maybe yeah. that I hadn't seen before mm-hmm. so uh, so yes um, but um, maybe we can tell your, 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 your listeners your viewers that it's okay to speak up Mm-hmm. Yeah, with your consultation, okay to refuse things. Um, it is okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Sophie. Uh, thanks everyone for watching. Um, I'll post the details of Dr. Cara Frenda Balzan below if you'd like to make an appointment with her. In the meantime, if you have any taboo subjects you'd like to discuss on her, uh, please get in touch. Thank you.